0: the favorite shirt she likes to wear every time she comes to do sleepovers at your place evokes a memory the way she rearranges your kitchen while she's around evokes a memory and so on and so forth and so you want to erase you basically want to forget them you do not want to relapse into the hurt that you feel every time Something has to remind you of the experience that you've made with this person. And so you feel that having sexual encounters with different people would erase all of that and replace those things.
1: In episode 124, I had a guest, Rita, and we discussed about navigating heartbreak especially as women and sharing our experiences and how we navigate through those uncomfortable emotions. And in the course of that conversation, we got curious on how it would look like for men and how they go through heartbreak. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you rarely see guys sit down and talk about a heartbreak. I'm not sure. It's something I also wonder how do men process their emotions after a heartbreak i am also curious to know that so i reached out to my guy friend kolo who has been a guest on this podcast before and who i know would really do justice to this topic and asked him to come share not just his personal experience with heartbreak and navigating through heartbreak but also to give an insight on what it would look like for other men. People deal with emotions differently no matter the gender and sometimes there are no one-size-fits-all with these kind of situations. So this episode is like an attempt to simplify what it could look like for men when they go through heartbreak. It was an insightful and an analytical conversation that not only dealt with how but why certain heartbreak experiences occur and why we respond or act the way we do when we are going through heartbreak. I hope you enjoy this one. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello, guys. Welcome to the Girl Unplugged podcast. This is Rita Chukriki. This is a platform for authentic and heartfelt conversations that inspire mindful living. Hi, Kolo. Welcome to the Girl Unplugged podcast.
0: Thank you, Rita. Happy to be back.
1: Happy to have you back. I wonder how men deal with heartbreak. Because Mm -hmm. it's easy for us to be on the other side. By us, I mean like women, be on the other side with our own interpretation of how things have gone and our own perception of the other person or the other gender. Mm. Not just from a place of heart, because now we have lost this person and we feel bad and resentful and we feel, you know, hot and disappointed. But then what, what was it truly? I heard something one day that actually helped me to realize that heartbreak actually is a function of a bruised ego. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're going through heartbreak, you're not just dealing with the uncomfortable emotions, you're dealing with your ego being bruised. Because somewhere in that emotion, you are thinking, But this shouldn't have happened to me. Or how could I have let this happen to me? Or how could this person have treated me this way? Mm. And from all of that, you're deducing, hmm, this person is very wicked. Hmm, this person is very heartless. Hmm, this person, you know. But then again, what you're feeling and what is true can be two separate things altogether. Yeah. But today, I'm trying to, like, creates that space where we hear a male perspective on heartbreak. That is not just from an assumption or a perception or emotion of a heart. Do men go through heartbreak?
0: Why not? Any human that's got a heart, any human that's got emotions, that's got a walking brain, definitely goes through heartbreak. It depends on the gravity, which is often um, subject to a lot of factors or whatever it is. If you suffer disappointment, then of course, the use of a heartbreak.
1: So how do you guys deal with all of that? I'm, I'm not so much of a sucker for male tears, right? In terms of should they cry or all of that? But yeah, how do you guys ride that
0: wave? So I think a lot of women would take sides with you about not being suckers for male tears, and um, many men would would squeeze their faces at the sight of a man who is crying because of heartbreak. But all of that is actually down to environmental conditioning. If God didn't want a man to cry, he wouldn't. Um, create him with tear bags. And so the impact of a heartbreak is usually subject to three key things, as I would like to think. One, the personality. A person's character traits, their temperament, and their overall attributes would contribute a great deal to how they handle or react to heartbreak. Secondly, their environment their upbringing, the, the unwritten codes, um, social perception would play a great role on how someone, especially a man, would react or respond to heartbreak. And then, of course, um, my, my final point around this would be a person's psychology, a person's mental makeup and their mental state at a given time can contribute to how they react or respond to heartbreak. And so imagine a combination of all these three, eventually leading to how someone would respond to being heartbroken, whether they are the soft hearted, feminine exuding person who would recognize that they feel a pain And whenever they feel the pain, the easiest way for them to get relief would be to cry. And so um, in this case, whether it's, it's a heartbreak from a relationship or it's a tough day at work or inability to achieve a certain goal, the person's response would be subject to these three key factors, their personality, their environment, and their psychology. So now I would um, allow myself to react as I emotionally deem it fit in the time. And this is usually not open to toxicity or violence or howsoever. It's very often an introspection for me when I have to handle heartbreak because of the growth over time um, this this was usually never me. First of all, I, I grew up in an environment where it was repeated that it was okay for a guy to cry and sometimes if you cried you'd feel better. The heaving the heaving pain in the chest would be less. There's a bit of clarity of thought because your brain has moved away temporarily from that thought to something else which is the crying. And so when you circle back to the reason why you cried, there's a bit of clarity. Secondly, my personality is that type where I am very vocal about what I am feeling. So very often um. I carry my emotions on my face. When I'm hungry, you would see it on my face. When I'm tired, mm. you'd see it on my face. When I'm angry, <laughs> yeah. you'd see it on my face. And usually seeing it on my face is really the first start. The next, the next step is for me to open my mouth and say it. So when you make me angry, I will let you know that you made me angry. I am angry. I feel this way because of this action. Right. So before in the in the past, I would say you made me angry. Now I am recognizing that my actions are subject to my feelings and my feelings are subject to my thoughts. And so it's oh, I feel this way because of that you did or that that you said, right? So how I feel is now subject to what I perceived and what I made of it. So it's not necessarily you being at fault or you being the cause, but your action has resulted in me analyzing it in this way and my analysis has led me to react in this way right? Sure. It's more of an introspection for me, which again means that sometimes when people have done things deliberately because they want me to feel a type of way and I respond the way that I, that I do, they feel absolved of responsibility for what they have done. Sometimes they carry the guilt of what they have done and and i have seen instances even in relationships when people have deliberately done things and i've said i feel this way because of your action and they feel no remorse at all because they would say that they are sorry that i felt the way that i felt because of what they did right meaning that they will do it again they do not think that what they have done even though it is clear that what they have done, that action or that 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 um, statement, uh, was wrong in itself, right? But I am trying to separate my processing of what they have done away from the action, because if I would say that I am only reacting based off what they did or what they said, I am absolving myself of any responsibility to think through things to feel a type of way and to act in a type of way so i separate my internal processing of it oh. from the action that triggered so they oh. they, they are t- there are two separate things that can happen at the same time someone can intend to hurt me and i process that hurt and i'll be hurt. someone can intend to hurt me i process it as hot I realize that this person is trying to hurt me and so i refuse to feel i i i refuse to to encourage those triggers that will lead me to feel and act in the way that they want me to um,
1: i hear that yeah. and it, it sounds like you being able to like detect when somebody's trying to manipulate your emotions or trying to get you to you know feel hot. But also I'm thinking, does it come from a place of this person feeling that you're not emotional enough? Because I'm thinking of how, why somebody would want to get you to be either triggered or feel a type of way. Sometimes in relationships, a lot of people approach it as if they are trying to test people to see... Mm -hmm. How much this person can handle. You know, you hear people say that if I'm able to tell you anything and you don't beat me or hit me, it's a sign that you have control of your emotions. So people use that to try to press your buttons and get you really worked up and expect you to like keep calm and act the reasonable, act like the reasonable person, which is actually emotional manipulation because you are doing it with the intent to get a response.
0: Yes. It's uh,
1: not like it just happened and you guys find yourself in this place and this person is expected to react to just what just happened.
0: You get what I mean? In instances like that, honestly, it's it's trauma response. It's an accumulation of environmental factors and their current psychological state. And honestly, people who do things like that, need to check into therapy because <laughs> it, yeah it's 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 a warped mental response to a lot of things um let me check to see how you would how do you respond to being angered so why are you the trigger for them to get angry because you see there there are so many external factors that could lead to someone being angry. But sometimes there are people who get angry at themselves for, for dropping the ball on some things, for missing out on certain deadlines, for not achieving certain things the way that they expect to. And they would react in the way that they would when they are angry. You should not be the one who will do silly things because you want to check to see how they respond when they're angry. People show themselves eventually. And so that thing you want to see, you would eventually get to see, no matter how people... Yes, one way or the other. yeah. No matter how how people tend, they show themselves. They will show themselves while they are alone with you. They will show themselves while they are with you and they are outside. They will show themselves while they are not with you and they are outside and they will show themselves while they are indoors and not with you there have been instances where i've been with women who would intentionally do things to see me riled up because they want to see how i react when I am angry. Oh, I want to see you angry. And these days I, I jokingly say that to people, but I'm beginning to realize that that could be toxic in a way when you keep poking at someone and I, and you are saying, oh, I want to see you angry. I want to see how, to you, how you react when you're angry. You don't have to say, it. people would express emotions. There are the people who grew up learning that when you are hot at home, you should channel that energy to work or channel that energy to something else, which in itself is response. You are responding to this from one point and you might respond to something else and it will turn out to be positive or it can turn out to be negative. For example, when you are suffering heartbreak, people will say, oh, I don't cry. I just go to the gym. Oh, I don't cry. I just gulp down five bottles of alcohol and knock myself out. Um, Oh, I don't cry. I go on rebound sex.
1: I think a lot of guys do that. I think it's a way they cope with not addressing those uncomfortable feelings. I have been in casual relationships with men who are either recovering from a heartbreak and you find that the way they will relate with you, they're relating with you as if they want to replace that feeling of that void that this person has left but at the same time without any emotional involvement. So it's like, yes, it has happened, you know, but this person will be here and tend to that void that I feel until I don't feel it anymore. And then I can go on with my life. If you're a woman that have been with a man that is recovering from a heartbreak and is choosing to have rebound, you will know because it's in the sex, is in the way they treat you during the sex, it's in the way they don't even want to speak to you after the sex because it's like yeah i've gotten the temporary relief that i want now and i can just go on with other things that are that that is happening
0: rebound sex in in a way it's a toxic response to the trauma that you feel from this one experience right
1: exactly yeah
0: because what you then do is you recognize a pain a, a pain point you are lost on how to deal with that pain point. And so, what you are telling yourself is if I have multiple sexual experiences with other people, those sexual experiences would wash away the mental recordings of great times that I've shared with this one person. You, you are afraid of reflections, you are afraid of nostalgia. And how you would feel at any time. Yes. You, you know, because because when 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 you are involved with one person, right? You mentally create time stamps for the experiences that you have with this person. You crack jokes with them, maybe with a certain music playing in the background, and your brain creates a time stamp for it. And so every time you're in you're in a boss, um, you're at work, you are at a club, you're anywhere, and that music plays again. Your brain clicks to say, oh, I've heard this, this song before. And then you remember, oh, it was a time when I was cracking jokes with this loved, this loved one. And you just sheepishly smile because you can remember how you laughed or how they laughed at that joke, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, you're playing music in the background while you're you're having sex with them. And every single time you hear that song, you, your brain flash back to that moment of sexual intensity and so now that you are heartbroken you do not want instances the 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 favorite pizza that you 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 to go out to have every every two fridays evokes a memory the favorite shirt you like to she likes to wear every time she comes to, to do sleepovers at your place evokes a memory the way she rearranges your kitchen while she's around evokes a memory and so on and so forth and so you want to you basically want to forget them you do not want to relapse into the hurt that you feel every time something has to remind you of the experience that you've made with this person and so you feel that having sexual encounters with different people would erase all of that and replace those things. So you, you now no longer want to feel hurt because you know that the rebound sex that you're having has no emotional connotation to it, which is the reason why you can sense that they, they are not emotionally involved um, during the sex they're having with you. And as soon as they're done, they're up, they go and wash off. They're like robots, right? Because what they are trying to do is to replace those emotional memories with fresh memories that have no emotional connotation at all. So it's down to triggers, which is why sometimes you are over a heartbreak, you are over someone, but still there are certain things that would happen to you and they trigger those emotions. They trigger, they send um, messages to your sensory nerves that then, asks your amygdala to check through its its compartments, if indeed there's something that is relatable to that message that has been sent through the, the sensory nerves. For example, I was dating someone and I was flying to Europe for a meeting um, on the flight. I was listening to a music from their on-air, on-flight um, entertainment package. And I loved the song. And so I matched that song to my relationship at the time and the turbulent waters that it was going through at that time because the lyrics of that song were touching to a lot of things. Now, eventually we broke up and it was quite turbulent for me. Um, It was the first relationship, the first heartbreak I think that that I cried so long I think I cried for around six weeks. I'd go to work, all smiles. Once I come back home, I just don't know where what buttons are pressed and the wells in my eyes just burst open and I'll just be crying. And while I am crying, I have that song playing in the background. Now, eventually when I got over all of that phase, every time I heard that song, one, I flash back to the period of the relationship. I flash back to the pain that I felt. I flash back to my evaluation of what happened and what led to what. But also, I flash back to that flight when I first heard, heard the song and I could relate to it. And I'm wondering could things have been different if I did not hear that song? On that flight right but all of this is happening because there's a trigger to my amygdala to remind me i've heard this song before this was the condition under under which i heard the song and every single time i've heard this song afterwards this has been my reaction yeah in the past i will still feel some pain i'll still feel some hurt these days i smile and i'm like hmm i can remember when i used to act in a way because of this and this and that now what has happened is me taking time to process my experience acknowledging that i am allowed to experience hurt acknowledging the role that i played in me experiencing that hurt so it was the fact that I could sense red flags from day one, and having mental conversations with myself and saying, even though there there is a type of attraction to this person, their character trait does not speak to the kind of person I want to be with. And so that voice in my head says, "Ha, huh, this is not the kind of person you should be with." But I'm being headstrong and saying, "Oh yeah, but." I mean, I could help them become the kind of person that I want to um, be with, right? And then, at that point, that is me allowing, opening myself up to be hurt, because the voice in my head has gauged the things that I've heard and said, based on my value system, based on my core beliefs, there is no match here. This is going to be trouble right and i'm going oh i can help them for example the biggest red flag for me was from an ask conversation i could tell that this person had been in multiple consecutive um abusive relationships and so what they know is pain in a relationship telling me that they can never trust men because all men cheat oh. and the ones who have not been caught cheat and the, the ones who do not cheat have only not been caught not because they do not cheat oh. but because they have not been caught that is why oh. she can accept that they do not cheat right so no matter what you do with this person they've been mentally conditioned to see men in a type of way I could remember vividly saying that I do not cheat, and I said I was going to help you see that indeed there are men who do not cheat. So I was holding my side of the bargain, and the expectation was that she would be open to me, showing her or quote unquote proving to her that indeed there are men who do not cheat.
1: I so, found out so you you were feeling that you would have you would be the different person for so yes. the person show he, show her differently how it's
0: done <laughs> right so so the, the the part I knew that I played was one even allowing that relationship to happen in the first place oh. was me, me being responsible for it secondly was me recognising at a certain point that I was emotionally spent because there was that consistent toxicity that was coming. Um, if I had to go anywhere, I had to, to update her and let her know where I am, who I am with, how long I'm going to be there. If I'm caught in traffic, I have to say I'm caught in traffic. This is how long I expect to be caught in traffic and, and, and whatnot, right? so. It was sapping a lot of energy from me. When I you also sense.
1: send the pictures,
0: my dear. <laughs> how can
1: you say you're not stuck? It you can't just say you're stuck in traffic, you go say, say pictures,
0: even <laughs> <laughs> short videos. videos, because that is what validates oh, wow. what you are saying, right? Yeah. So, on, on mm. the one end, you are going oh i am being truthful with this person i am being honest with this person and i'm not leaving any rooms for them to doubt me because i said this and i'm sending evidence to back up what i've said and you think that they are taking all of this in and it's building trust on their end however what's happening is that it is they are digging a deeper hole to say okay this guy is covering up his tracks I should keep at it until I found an opening I should keep at it until they forget to pretend and I see the real them and the real them that they expect is oh. you being the person that they think or they want you to be which is the person who is cheating. But you on the one side are just being you, you are being natural, you are being truthful, you are being honest, and you're just living your life innocently. Believing that all of the things that you say and the evidence that you send is just you being you and showing them that, see, with your hands up, like, uh, oh, see, this is me, this is who I am, this is what I'm. you get. And so when I did, a meta reflection of the role that I played in the whole thing, it was me continually feeding that mammoth that lived in her, that deeply wanted to see a different thing, right? So I helped her to to dig that hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I had to recognise that I was emotionally spent. But I was also partly responsible for being emotionally spent right so it was not entirely playing the blame game i am like this because this person i am like this because this person no it's i'm like this because i contributed to letting this person do the certain things that i had to respond to in this way because if i did not let them from the start when the voice in my head said you're this person is not a perfect fit if i had walked away I would not have been exposed to the experiences that I had with this person. So people have to be able to come to a place where they are processing their emotions per the trigger points and closing them off individually, where there isn't a spillover from this trigger onto the other trigger. It takes a lot, it takes a lot of, um, self-awareness, it takes a lot of awareness of others and awareness of the environment. It takes a lot of introspection.
1: Which brings me to the question of, how many men are even aware when it comes to self-awareness? Because if so you see... say introspection, introspection, introspection and I'm like, yeah, it's important. I mean, it's important, but how many, how many you
0: get? yeah now for many people male and female but i would like to think that for many men they are not taught whether by their fathers by their mothers or by the right teachers around within their environment they are not taught how to be self-aware cognitive learning is important there are lots of things that men are not being taught that I'm thankful that my parents and the environment that I grew up in taught me, especially being in touch with their feminine side. As much as men would not want to believe or accept that there's a feminine side to them. Again, because today, when you talk about the feminine side of a man, they want to attribute it to homosexuality and whatnot. Um, or you are being too soft for a man. But we just like we all have different um, percentage makeup of the four key temperaments, being choleric, being melancholic, being phlegmatic, or being sanguine, there there, there, there is a certain quantity of female hormones that make up a man, just like there are certain quantities of male hormones that make up women, where there are instances where there would be so much testosterone too, too much testosterone in the woman's makeup and this and she starts exuding male qualities right there is that with men as well and so from early on being taught coming to realization that there is a soft side to you some people are softer than others whether male or female is important because you have to you have to remind yourself, you have to tell yourself the truth that okay, there's a soft side to me. And so when that soft side is popping up, you recognize it and not suppress it. Because that is what many people do. When that soft side comes up, they want to suppress it. And then there are the things that you are taught not to do. Both for men and for women. For example, women are not taught to understand rejection from early on. Women are taught to realize that they are the prize. That and one
1: mm-hmm. They
0: can sit somewhere and fold their legs and cherry pick. Mm-hmm. And they carry that and spread it across different spheres of their lives. And so I have encountered women who would rather not job hunt and um, I expecting that job offers will just fall on, on a platter for them. Maybe because someone, maybe their parent is the one who is doing the hard work. And then they have to say, yes, I think I like this job. I want to do it. Or they turn up at work and they don't want to lift a finger because I am a soft girl. I have grown up in a soft girl environment. So you have to treat me as a soft girl and so on and so forth, right? So if you look at either side of the, div- of the divide, There are things that we have not been taught. And there are things that we have been taught not to do. Because the environment does not expect us to be in a certain way or to do certain things. And so when you deviate from that environmental conditioning, what is now being impacted is your ego. And that is where there is wahala. So, you see, we are a sum total of our upbringing, our psychological makeup but also of our environment so we pick oh. up certain traits we learn certain traits from experiences that we have with people and then we use that as um, a benchmark for the next experience oh. except we find time to settle down and and reflect on this experience and say okay this was a wild one I can take this from it, but I I ought not to take this from it. Or this was a blissful one. Um, I enjoyed this, I enjoyed this, I enjoyed this, regardless of our values not matching, which was the reason why I had to end things, but they were a jolly good fellow. And in those cases, even if you do not end up keeping friends with that person or being in a relationship with this person, there will still be someone you'd be able to pick up your phone and have a chat with. There will still be someone you
1: call and chat with. Yeah. You get. I hear you. So I would like you to share your personal breakup routine, like step by step. How do you go through getting back to,
0: to feel okay? So
1: o- over time for
0: me, it's it's basically been down to a couple of things that I do to distress and bring myself back to anchor every now and then whether it's it's a relationship heartbreak, uh, a job contract coming to an end and 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 basically just being stressed so i'll do a bit of mind mapping um thankfully i have a vision board
1: see you they tire me sometimes you they tire me sometimes
0: In I d- I what's
1: what's in the mind are we on a project yet
0: <laughs> Treat everything like a project even a relationship, right? Um, I can remember as far back as 2014 being in a relationship with someone and every three months when I am with them, I sit her down on the bed and I want us to go over the last three months what has worked well for you, what hasn't worked well for you, what are the things that you think I am doing that you don't like? Um, what would you like to see me do more and so on and so forth? So that's basically an evaluation, which is what you do with project management, right? Um, and so aside from doing that with the partner, right? What I'd like to do now is to do it on my own. So for me, what am I enjoying? What am I, what, what, what do I like about this person? Have they changed? What are the things that they've changed for the better? and the things that they've changed for the world. Does this fit into how I see myself being with a person for, right? Which is the mind mapping for me. And once I have had tips or beats on stickers on my vision board, I can go back and look at it and say, oh, I envision that I'm going to be happy with this person and this, this, and this. Is it, what is happening now? If it's not, then it gives me room to step back and ask questions why um, I am not in tune with what I have on my vision board. So it gives me room to evaluate. I journal like you do, but in my case, it's a retrospective journaling, right? So every six months, I'll go back to my journal and, and do a summary of what has happened to me in the last six months. Oh, uh, this, 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 um, I had this work, um, I had this diff- Difficulty at work i had to travel because i needed to clear my head um oh i hadn't cooked in a while and i decided to spoil myself and i cooked this this and that you know like just okay this is what has happened different timestamps over a period of time these are these are the things that happened to me oh i made money from this this or oh i put money into this investment and it turned out bad oh well but we'll see what the next six months would look like so i do that generally of course, my meta reflection, which is a continuous thing of constantly evaluating and reevaluating and reevaluating. Um, it sort of paints a picture that I am an overthinker, but unfortunately, or maybe <laughs> on the looking on the bright side, fortunately, I am not an overthinker, right? But I try to um, reflect a lot on a lot of things because I like to see that the things that I'm doing are good, in a progressive manner, and so it's not good, bad, good, bad, good. No, it's not a start-stop thing for me. I like to see that if I'm with someone, even when they do leave, every time my name flashes on their mind, there should be more good they're able to smile about than bad that they would frown about, and they would nod their head and say, "Yeah, even though it didn't work out, he was a really good fellow, and I enjoyed my time with him." And this requires deliberate reflection every now and then for, for myself, right? Um, held in reflection to say, how can I make myself a better person? First for me, that when someone else experiences me for the things that I do for myself, they are able to live with um, excitement um, and with joy, right? Which brings me back to, the final part of what I do, which is my hobbies. And so I would not wait until I'm heartbroken or, 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 or feel bad to go to my hobbies. I go to my hobbies because they are the things that I love to do. I go to my hobbies because they help me distress. whether it is a relationship that is stressing me, or it is work that is stressing me, or it is two economy that is stressing me, or whatnot. So cooking, I love food. People say, people say oh, Konoha, I, I, like, I realize that you like food. I say, no, I don't like food. <laughs> you are downgrading it. I love food. It is. There's a love story between me and food. So I would I either cook up a recipe in my head and try it out, or I'll look through any of the cookbooks that I've inherited from my mom and my aunties and my grandma and try something new right or it might just be the regular that i'm used to any of my favorite dishes that i love to whip and i'll just do it for myself again it's it's because i would want to dine out do fine dining but fine dining (laughs) comes at an expense to the pocket and when it is not um, what i want to see on my balance sheet at the end of the month i would look for alternatives and over time i have come to realize that because i know how to cook well enough it makes a lot of sense for me to do bulk buying of the ingredients that I want and whip up what I want over a period. Pursuing this hobby on the, on the flip side helps me to eat healthy all the time because it's food that I'm cooking. Gardening. I have come to realize that um, I've got green fingers because I come from a long family line of people who are involved in agriculture. And when I am stressed and I spend 30 minutes Watering my plants, checking which one needs fertilizer, trying to prepare organic fertilizer for which one, whether I'm using um, garlic peel or banana peel or onion peel or something I've read up on the internet that will help my my plants grow, or even used tea bags um, because I want to I, I want to ward off worms or pests in in, in the soil, right? So spending that time with these plants and. In a way, trying to humanize them because I, I would be I'll speak with the plants and tell the ones that are not doing well that see, I'm investing so much time and energy in you, you better do well. Um, I don't want to circle back here and see that you're not doing well. And surprisingly, when I come back later, I see that they're responding to the positive words that I've that I've said to them and now they are doing well. It helps me to ah, this thing is responding to me, right? So I would go and have conversations with the plants, the one that flowers and the flowers falls off. Uh, quickly. I say, see, you know, I like your flowers. When you, when they bloom, keep them on you for a little longer. I want to enjoy them. I want to take more pictures of them, you know, and the fact that I'm able to, to take myself away from the things that are bothering me and just focus on the plants that I'm with, is that um benefit that I get, in fact, multiple benefits that I get um from um, indulging myself in gardening. Then travel. Every time um, I suffer a heartbreak, I plan. I I, I plan to travel. I just I just travel to some travels to yeah, some destinations to
1: kind of take away, take yourself away yeah. from the immediate yeah. environment.
0: Yeah. yeah, change environment. I experience a new culture. It helps me to detox. Because while I am in flight, I'm able to take a pen on the paper or I go down to notes on my phone and i I try to do an evaluation what were the things that i accommodated what were the things that i shouldn't have tolerated you know and and all of that um what blame do i take in all of this so i i sit down and i tell myself the truth these were the things that i did these are things that i tolerated these are the things that i accommodated that if i had not accommodated i would not be here so going forward if I am with someone and they show these things, I must remind myself not to accommodate the game, otherwise, breakfast will be served again, you know, and all of that. And so by the time I learned, my, my mind is a bit fresh, yeah, because I have now been able to process these things and I'm able to close some of these things that would have been swirling around in my head and, and causing me sleepless nights or giving me stress and I'm wondering why am I stressed? But it's because of all these, these thoughts that swirl around in my head like balloons. you know. Um, so closing, finding closure for some of these thoughts um, when I travel, of course, helps. Experiencing a different culture takes my mind off those things that stress me out. And by the time I come back home, Of course, it's me spending the next two, three weeks reminiscing on the experiences that I had while I traveled, while I'm moving on. But I'm moving on not because I have not resolved those issues that caused me to travel in the first place. But now I found clarity and found even better purpose to move on
1: wow that's expensive and very wholesome right and very similar we share a lot of similarities especially when you talked about gardening because gardening for me is like a hobby that once i got into it i could i got addicted you know i got addicted Mm -hmm. it it's so soothing so healing as well and just the thoughts that you are able to when i went through My last breakup, and you know, I was tending to my house plants. Something just like the way they were just vibrant, the way they were growing. I, you know, what I said to myself at least I'm getting one thing right. Mm Yeah. i said to the plants thank you for thank you for attesting to the fact that i'm not a bad person you see because if i was a bad person you people would die so i understand talking to your plants and just having them listen to you and yeah. all of that it's so therapeutic and wow it's always a pleasure having you and just discussing with you and i enjoy having this conversation any last words before we go
0: yes it's never too late to know yourself If you were not taught early on, um, you can go online, read up articles about um, self-awareness. There are videos on YouTube that would help you to go through certain activities that will help you to know yourself better. It's not enough to just focus on knowing what your strengths are. It also makes sense to know what your weaknesses are. Those things that you are emotionally weak about, those things that you are psychologically weak about, which might be because of your upbringing or because of your makeup as a person or because of the environment that you've, you've grown up in yeah so acknowledge that this is this, these are your areas of weakness find out ways or things that you can do to improve on them so you are better you're a better person as far as self-awareness is concerned but also find out ways to be aware of people find out ways to perceive and read people either from um, what they say or even from their silence. This, this way, you know how to relate with people, you would know how to accommodate or not accommodate them. Because in the end, if the world is filled with better people, this dating pool that everyone is always talking about being shitty would become better. It's because more and more people are not investing in becoming better persons for themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're not healing from things they've gone through. Yeah. Thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening through this episode. I hope it was an interesting one for you and that you were able to learn something from it. If you did, please let me know. Send me an email with the link on the show notes on what you thought about this whole topic of heartbreak and what you think are the differences or peculiar differences between how men process their feelings during a heartbreak and how women do theirs. I would really love to hear from you. And of course, share this episode with someone who you think might find it helpful. Also support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review on any of the podcast platforms that you listen from. By doing this, you help this podcast become visible for others to listen and to subscribe and become part of the community. Thank you for always coming back. And I hope to see you on the next episode. But till then, continue to be you till full. Bye.